0: Welcome and thank you for joining our podcast today. In celebration of AAPIH month, Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month at Littler, we are highlighting some of our talent in our firm who associate with AAPI heritage and are also affiliated with the United States military. My name is Jennifer McGuire. I am an attorney out of our San Francisco office and I was a Navy JAG active duty for six years and now i'm in the reserves it uh, looks like for the past five years and today we are with littler attorneys sarah Sorensen and daniel kim to share their story and insights on the theme of aapih month this year which is advancing leaders through opportunity so i'll ask them both to introduce themselves and explain a little bit about their connection to the military
1: Thanks, Jennifer. My name is Daniel Kim. I'm an associate of Littler's Chicago office. And my connection to the military is that I was in the Marine Corps as a officer from 2011 through 2015, uh, right before I decided to go to law school.
2: Thanks, Jennifer. My name is Sarah Sorensen. I'm with the Littler Case Smart team, so I'm fully remote. I'm in the class action group. I'm a military spouse. My husband, Kurt, is an active duty judge advocate for the U.S. Marine Corps, we met in law school, started dating the very last semester while I was applying for the Minnesota bar. I still have not used that license because I we got married and I moved with them. We're currently stationed in Northern Virginia. This is our third time living in Virginia over the past 10 years since we've gotten married. We've also lived in North Carolina and California, so we've, we've moved quite a bit. Wonderful. That's great to hear both of your backgrounds
0: and... What I'd love to focus on with both of you is your experience with military leadership and opportunities in the military as someone with AAPI background. So why don't we start with the topic of your definition of leadership? What does it mean to you and how did your involvement with the military kind of shape your understanding of what a a good leader is?
1: I guess if I were to come up with one phrase to define what leadership is in the military, it would be leaders eat last. And, you know, in the Marine Corps, they literally teach you from whether whether you go to boot camp as an enlisted person or OCS as an officer that if you're in a position of responsibility, something as simple as getting in line for chow, it's something that you gotta let your subordinates do first before you yourself, you know, get in line. And I think that just speaks to the culture of just taking care of your people, because your people are going to be the ones that accomplish the mission for you. Just as you know, like the individual Marine will, you know, want to take care of their rifle, right? As officers or as even sergeants and corporals, junior NCOs, whatever task that they're being asked to accomplish, they're not going to be the ones doing it. It's going to be the 19, 20 year old kids that are underneath them, and and that's just kind of what informs my view of what it means to be a good leader.
2: I can definitely echo what Daniel said, but from a military spouse standpoint, what I discovered about being a leader is to make the best out of less than ideal situations and putting on a good face and setting an example and having a good attitude for other people. The first duty station after my husband went to officer combat training was twenty nine Palms, California. We got there in in mid twenty fourteen. At that time the desert was in California was not the most popular place to be. It's I think they call it the stumps. It's like one of the considered one of the worst duty stations of the Marine Corps. And we both were really initially upset about going there, but we ended up loving it. We seized opportunities to meet new people, just take in the desert and end up extending there, loving it. And what what I've learned by being a military spouse is that you can use your experiences, even ones that were initially not good, to, to mentor junior spouses, other single Marines who are going out there who are nervous. But I think what really helps people is, is, is exhibiting a quality of making the best out of a bad situation and turning it into a good one.
0: Yeah, I think those are both excellent sort of uh, lessons from the military. I will definitely echo that. You know, we're always told since joining the Navy, Semper Gumby or be flexible, Or bloom where you're planted, just be open to new experiences and don't really have your heart set on one exact geographic location, because you are probably going to be moved around, you know, at least every two to three years. So I think that that phrase definitely helped throughout my time in the military, too. I'd also like to sort of hone in on how your AAPI background has influenced your idea of leadership, and perhaps a discussion of, how that's
2: changed your idea of a good leader so i'm korean i was uh, i'm a korean adoptee so more about being an, an adopted person kind of informs my view of leadership so i was adopted as a young baby i have no memory of korea but what i do know about my birth parents is that they were young and unmarried and in the 80s that was not looked well upon in korea The children of unmarried parents typically had limited opportunities. They were socially kind of on the bottom of the totem pole from what I understand. And I was adopted by my family who didn't care where I came from and loved me because of me being a person. And they just accepted me no matter what. And I think that's a general wonderful quality about the United States that you know, in America, it's not about your ethnic background or your racial background. It's about your values and how you conduct yourself. There's a, a quote by this English writer, G.K. Chesterton, and he said, America is the only country that's founded upon a creed. And I think that's absolutely so true. And the military is founded upon various creeds about being loyal and about being tolerant and working hard and, and obviously our the core of it is that we're doing it for freedom. Um, And so my parents, with their attitude about accepting me no matter where I came from, I think that's also a quality that Americans have in general, why we are typically the leaders of the world in principles of unity and tolerance and freedom. And I'm very proud to, to now be married to somebody in the military who is willing to give it all, including his life, those principles. And so I don't think my AAPI background has changed. My view, it's only solidified what I've seen as a leader and also just being proud to be here in the United States.
1: For me, as a young second lieutenant, I think there's a a common experience for, for all junior officers in all branches of the military that when they get their first platoon or first unit of command responsibility, there's a Internal urge to be a fire-breathing leader that you'll you'll be like a John Paul Jones or the, or the Chesley Pullers that you read about in officer training, and I think being AAPI kind of complicates that even more because we come across this bias that we are meek, submissive, are quiet, and are are not assertive. So I think for members of the military that are AAPI, there's there's added pressure to be someone like Jack Nicholson from A Few Good Men. But I think what experience has taught me is that your subordinates will see through that if you're putting up an act. And for me, the style of leadership that works for me, because because everybody has a different leadership style, is to be somebody who truly lives that leaders eat last kind of mentality. If you truly believe that principle, then your subordinates will see that. And you'll be a leader in their eyes just by a right of you taking care of them.
0: Yeah, and Daniel and Sarah, I think that is so true. You can't really like fake being a foot stomping kind of leader, right? You have to be your own true self and the people that you lead will see that and believe it. And it's it's almost the same for trial. You can't fake sort of this table pounding kind of trial attorney, you have to be yourself and then you connect with the jury. So I think that's kind of a good lesson for both being an attorney and a leader. Myself, I am Chinese and Irish, my mother's family immigrated here from Taiwan. They were originally in China, so they went to Taiwan and then to the. US. And I always grew up being reminded of how lucky we all were, you know, the whole family to have come to the United States and to gain these academic opportunities that really helped us as a family. We really felt like we obtained the American dream. So I I was always aware of that as a child and being presented with the opportunity to, lead in the U.S. military was such a unique and wonderful experience. I think that throughout my time on active duty and still in the reserves, I just think about how grateful I am to be here in this country that has given my family so many opportunities. And this is sort of my way of of trying to pay it back. That's why I still continue to serve in some respect. I also think, like you said, Daniel, there's sort of an expectation that maybe i have to be this Big and loud leader or officer in in the navy, and that has just not always been true. People don't expect you to be someone you're not. Even if you walk into a room with a bunch of salty twenty year in chiefs, and you're this junior officer that's sort of just joined like last year, you have to respect their experience and understand that they're going to know a lot more about the navy than you do. But also bring what you can add to the conversation, which is analysis and really just the ability to listen and help solve whatever the issue is. So, my time in the military was wonderful and uh, I'm just truly grateful that I still have the opportunity to serve. I'd also like to transition to some good examples of military leadership that you've developed or maybe have witnessed in the military during your time in in service or um, your affiliation with the military.
1: For me, I didn't really serve directly under any any leaders who were, who were AAPI, API, but I did as an example. I, there was a person that I deployed to Afghanistan with who was, you know, in the Marine Corps. We also have a formal mentorship program too. And as first lieutenant Kim, uh, a guy named Major Kelman was assigned to be my mentor, he, and he's a black guy. But um, he had a side duty of being a liaison officer for Marine uh, Forces Korea, so he was fluent in Korean, in tune with their culture. And it kind of worked out for both of us because I had a field grade officer who I could go to for my career, just, just to hear my gripes and whatnot. And he had somebody while we were in the middle of Afghanistan to practice speaking Korean with. So it kind of worked out for both of us. But for him, I mean, he I thought he was a great leader just from the outside looking in. I mean, this was a guy who was in charge of a, a company that was made up of truck mechanics, artillery mechanics, tank mechanics certain airframe mechanics, radio mechanics. It was an amalgamated unit pulled from different areas of the Marine Corps just for this deployment. And this guy held it together because his leadership style was, uh, I'm not going to do this because if I don't, Major Kelman's going to yell at me. I'm going to do this because I don't want to let Major Kelman down. It was a very sort of empathetic leadership that he had. And that's something that I, after working with alongside this guy, after having him as my informal med- mentor, was something that I Consciously wanted to be like and try and try to incorporate some of the stuff that he did into my own leadership style.
2: That's great. As a spouse, I when at our first duty station in Twenty Nine Palms, Kerr had a wonderful boss, uh, Mike McDonald, and his wife is Marisa McDonald. And Marisa was also an attorney, and she had a similar situation like me. She moved from the East Coast to California, had to take the California bar, find a job. And she and and her husband were the right people for Kurt and me at the right time because they supported us. Marisa brought me out to lunch to talk about my anxiety about the bar and she cheered me on and that really just set the tone for me about, okay, I'm a junior spouse learning from this other spouse. How can I pay it forward when I become a more senior spouse um, meeting young first, second lieutenant spouses and captain spouses like I once was? Just those gestures from, from those two individuals at our first duty station that we weren't thrilled to be with really said a lot. And it said that a lot about them as people and leaders. They're still great friends. And just, again, like I was saying before, being a leader is setting by example and also just having a good attitude about the situation even though it's less than ideal, like taking another bar example when you didn't <laughs> really want to. <laughs> That's incredible,
0: Sarah. And like, you I know, just wanna thank you for your service particularly, we were always reminded in the Navy of how important military spouses were. Without military spouses, you know, the active duty member cannot function. And just such an integral
2: part of the military, it really feels like you're serving as well, quite frankly. Thank you. You know, um, just as an aside, it was May is just the fact that it's AAPI month, but Military Spouse Appreciation Day was just on Friday. So wow. oh. yeah. And also the same day, it just fell on the same day. The day that I came to the United States was May 12th on Friday. Oh, wow. oh my gosh. So, yeah. <laughs> so it, we, it, my family called it my gotcha day,
1: but it was kind of
2: it just kind of the stars aligned. It was my gotcha day. It was military spouse appreciation day. I'm, or this podcast was all, all meant to be. So.
0: Yeah. just pulling on sort of examples of leadership in the military. I'll say that I was recruited at a conference called the NAPABA, National Asian Pacific American Bar Association Convention, which is a yearly conference in various cities. And I was in law school and I actually recognized one of the commanders at a recruiting table when I walked in as my friend's uh, mentor. I I recognized his name from his name tag and started talking to him. He himself was not AAPI, but standing next to him was... A JAG, a Navy JAG that I am still friends with t- to this day. She was also mixed. She was um, Japanese and Caucasian. And she started talking to me about her service. And I just remember being so floored by how genuine she was about how much she loved her job. And I just never really heard anyone talk about their job that way. And that was amazing. It kind of opened my eyes to the types of opportunities that the military and, and the JAG court can bring. She talked about her deployments and how honored she was to, you know, have gone and served her country in that way and what she worked on and the types of cases that she both prosecuted. And then JICOR, you switch at some point, and then you also do defense, you know, the courtroom. And she is just such an incredible example of a leader. I I was lucky enough to be stationed with her in Pensacola, my first duty station and she's still in. And, you know, I still think of her as a great example of a military leader that uh, dedicated her life, or at least 20 years, right, to the United States Navy. You know, changing focus to something like Napaba, which is such a great convention and bar association and resource. We've talked about some behaviors that leaders might embody. What kind of resources do you go to or have you gone to? That has helped you throughout your career.
1: Well, Jennifer, I I guess taking it back to just my experience in the military, you know, they tell us that being a good leader means seizing initiative when you can. But unfortunately, sometimes in the military there aren't opportunities for that. You know, my old CEO used to tell me that being a marine is one of the easiest jobs in the world because physical discomforts aside, right? You, all you got to do is get a haircut once a week, show up on time, and make sure that you're in the right uniform when you show up on time. So it's easy. To get complacent in the military and just kind of have your career developed by uh, inertia right You, you like if you're if you're a second lieutenant chances are very good unless you majorly screw up that you'll see captain or maybe even become a major out in the legal field it's a little different right it's and i think this is the experience common to all all positions in the civilian sector right you got to go out there and get what you want. So you got to be more assertive in doing that. And, and for me, the organizations that have been really helpful for me have been organizations like NAPAVA or uh, my local Asian American Bar Associations. And through there, that's where I was able to link up with, with mentors and and friends, my peers, that kind of helped make the uh, transition to becoming a junior associate a, little, a much more uh, easier compared to if I didn't have those resources available.
2: Yeah, Daniel um, hit on a really important thing to remember when you're in the civilian world. And a, and for me, being a military spouse in civilian jobs, that's exactly what I had to do. I had to put myself out there. When we moved to California, our first duty station, I I was at the Desert Bar Association in the Palm Springs, Coachella Valley area. Um, so it wasn't um, an Asian bar. I don't even think they had one out there. But I did go to the Bar Association event, didn't know anybody. I think we had moved like three days before. But there were two Korean American attorneys there. One sought me out immediately because there's not there were not very many uh, Asian American attorneys in the desert at that time. And she was my first legal contact in the area. And I I met um, at her office and talked about what I was looking to do. And I was studying for the bar. Um, and just having that first contact brought me a lot of confidence and comfort that, okay, it's, it is it is going to work out here. And then she introduced me to who I consider my mentor, um, and I later worked for her a little bit. But basically, that first contact brought me to another contact that brought me to my first job. And I worked out in the desert for three years, moved away, was their first remote attorney, switched firms, ended up working for my mentor starting during covid getting wage and hour experience. And that led me to hear Littler to be able to uh, work in the class action team. So like Daniel was saying, I mean, you just have to be assertive and take a chance because you never know who you're gonna meet. And I think being a part of the Asian American community, I mean, that is what made me stand out to this particular attorney at the Bar Association event. And it snowballed and really, I mean, I wouldn't be here today because of that, without that event that I attended.
0: That's amazing. And I just think that so impressive that you put yourself out there, bloomed where you planted, <laughs> yeah. and uh, just made an incredible opportunity out of it. Okay. Well, I just want to thank you both for your time and willingness to share your thoughts on these uh, important ideas for AAPIH month. Thank you both very much for your time. It has been such a pleasure to talk to you both and get to know you both through this podcast.
2: And I hope to work with you soon. Thank you, Jennifer. And I just wanted to to add that this is another to add on to the theme of advancing um, leadership through opportunity. I didn't know what I was getting into with this podcast. So glad I joined, especially now because I'm connected to you and now, Daniel, who I didn't even, I didn't know before. And it's, it's very neat that we have the Marine Corps, the Asian American and the 29 Palms, especially connection. So I would not have been able to meet Daniel, probably, um, except for this opportunity.
1: So thank you. Yeah, thanks, Jennifer. And likewise, Sarah. I mean, until today, I didn't know that there was two other attorneys at Littler who had the distinct honor of being both a member of Ohana and Littler's Veterans Affinity Group. So, you know, great to connect with you both and just talk a little bit about our experiences today.
0: Thank you both so much for your time and for your service. Thank you. Thank you.